0: On this episode of Every Family's Got One...
1: Body parts! Sexy! Featuring burlesque performer Leslie Ruster with a wild and spicy story about her dad. What?
2: You see, my father was a pervert. Wow!
0: And a story from one of our live performances by writer-actor Linda Kurloff about a moment forever etched into her memory.
3: Mom, you'll never guess what happened to me today. Hi, I'm Barbara Harrell.
1: And I'm Tony Menudo. And welcome to Every Family's Got One. The podcast that brings
0: you amazing true stories about family.
1: Barbara, today we are talking about body parts. (gasps)
0: Provocative.
1: Well, that's the idea.
0: Well, I don't know about you, but anything racy that happened around my family made me uncomfortable. Like what? Well, um, like watching TV with my dad when I was a kid and a maxi pad commercial would come on.
1: <laughs> it's horrifying. That's hilarious.
0: <laughs> no, I'm still uncomfortable.
1: All right, so let's segue away from that image mm, int- and introduce our first story from Leslie Ruster.
0: Oh, she is one interesting person.
1: You're right. Her bio says that she hates American cheese. Mm-hmm. She hates matching couple pajama sets Mm. and Hallmark cards.
0: Oh, well, I would have to agree on all those things. I I don't like matching family outfits. I just never find it adorable. But, okay, I do disagree with one thing. I like American cheese, though.
1: you know, me too. It melts nicely on burgers, and it's delicious. Mm -hmm. Leslie's bio Mm -hmm. also Mm -hmm. states her occupation as burlesque performer, herbalist, Mm -hmm. and interfaith chaplain.
0: Wow, she sounds like an excellent person to have in a zombie apocalypse.
1: Perfect. Mm -hmm. She covers all the bases. (laughs) She does. Here's Leslie with her story, The Family Jewels.
2: Up until recently, my father had an abnormally large ball sack. And the reason that I say only up until recently is that he was cremated a few years ago, and now the Family Jewels are as compact as they've ever been resting peacefully in a box on my brother's bookshelf. Now, this might sound really disrespectful to be here on the internet talking about my recently deceased father's ball sack, but let me tell you, this is a story about my dad that even he would be proud of. You see, my father was a pervert. Not in the sex offender kind of way, but in the much more lovable sex joke and potty humor manner. And he always relished any opportunity he had to tell a story about his or someone else's genitalia. Now, most people don't want to think or talk about their father's scrotum. But for my brother and I, it was both literally and metaphorically unavoidable. Twelve years ago, my father was diagnosed with a rare form of Parkinson's disease. Of all the diseases crafted in hell, Parkinson's is definitely one of them. Over eight years, the disease slowly co-opted his brain, and my father lost his ability to drive a car, walk, use his hands, take care of himself, use the toilet, and eventually he couldn't even talk. This journey was heartbreaking for him and our family. In the early stages of the disease, my brother and I found ourselves helping our father in ways we never thought we would, using the bathroom, taking a shower, and getting dressed— it was during these intimate moments of assistance that we discovered the peculiar nature of my dad's testicles. Over breakfast one morning, my brother asked, So, dad, what's up with your ball sack? Are you okay down there? And my father disclosed that his scrotum became engorged to the size of a small cantaloupe many years ago. And his doctor diagnosed him as having a cyst, which causes testicular swelling. Which, there's nothing wrong with having a cyst, and the doctor, you know, offered to do a small procedure to remove it. But in true dad fashion, my father, who notoriously did not take care of his health, opted out of futzing with them. And sometimes my dad seemed to really appreciate their peculiar nature. He had a moment in the later stages of his disease when his hospital gown flew open on a trip to the bathroom during a doctor's visit, And for months, he chuckled about the look on a few nurses' faces who happened to witness the big event. And I'd catch him looking off into space dreamily, and I'd ask him what he was thinking about, and he'd just start chuckling. I could barely understand what he was talking about, except for the words, the hospital gown and their faces and the hallway. And I knew what he was referring to, and I'd just start laughing as well. And it was these moments of giggling with my father during his disease about wieners and hospital gowns flying open when I felt the most connected with my dad in my entire life. When I was in first grade, my father decided that he couldn't hack being a full time dad and he divorced my mom and moved across the country to Florida. My mother, brother and I were heartbroken, devastated. And my dad proceeded to travel all over the world for his job, across Mexico and Latin America, India, Japan, all while my mother raised my brother and I on the East Coast. We would see him for holidays, he'd call a lot, and my dad would fly my brother and I down to Florida to visit with him for a week every summer. And these trips always unearthed strange discoveries about the nature of our dad. I looked through his VHS tape collection for a movie to watch, and there, hidden underneath The Lion King and other kid movies, would be a collection of tantric massage, VHS tapes, and on his bookshelf, I'd find weird literature about vaginas, aliens, Bigfoot, and skin flutes, which I learned was not a musical instrument. And as perverted and disgusting as my dad was, his humor definitely rubbed off on my brother and I. A few years after his Parkinson's diagnosis, my father developed a urinary tract infection, which, side note, this was unrelated to the engorged musk melon sized ball sack. And this urinary tract infection led to a short stay in a rehab hospital, which led to a bout of ICU psychosis, which is a temporary form of delirium that people can get in in the hospital. And so when I appeared on the scene, my dad was screaming, and he seemed to be losing his mind. He didn't recognize me. I was terrified. And the nurse was concerned that his heart rate was approaching a dangerously fast pace and said that he needed to be transferred from the rehab hospital to the emergency room immediately. And so an ambulance appears. They load him up. I phone my brother who said he would meet us at the hospital. And I follow madly in my car as the emergency vehicle um, gets him to the hospital. And they're wheeling him inside. They get him into a room in the ER and they start hooking him up to an oxygen monitor, a heart rate thing. And then they start cutting his clothes open. My dad is screaming and flailing. Nurses are like restraining him. He's totally out of his mind. And luckily, my brother appears just as a nurse cuts open my father's pants and underwear and the doctor, the nurse, everyone stops and stares. The elephant in the room had emerged and the doctor stammers. Uh, is that does he are they normally like that? And my brother, who had just appeared on the scene, replies, Oh, yeah, they're fine. My dad just likes the way they fill out his pants. He claims the ladies love it. And the whole room erupts in laughter. It was the most unprofessional medical moment I had ever experienced. The doctor is laughing. The nurses are laughing. I'm chuckling. My brother has a big old grin on his face. And a moment that was terrifying becomes more tranquil. And suddenly, the beeping from my father's heart rate monitor loses its rapid tempo. And we all turned toward my dad, shocked, to find him softly chuckling, calm and angelic as a lamb, beaming at all of us, enlivened by the opportunity to laugh about his ball sack. The power of perverted bathroom humor had totally transformed the moment, and my father's once dire condition was suddenly stabilized. He was able to talk. The color returned to his face. The doctor even discharged him that afternoon. And so, humor has this magical quality to it, in that it has this ability to transform some of the hardest, most awkward, painful, or scary moments into something more spacious. And I really think that perverted potty humor humanized our father. It helped us see him in a different way and lifted the heavy burden of separation that we so often felt around him, especially as his brain became more and more contorted and confused. Now, my dad died a few years ago, and I'm still in the process of going through his stuff. And with every Latin American penis statue that I find in his remaining boxes of belongings, I'm still struck by the kind of man that collects this stuff. And I grieve for the father that I lost and for the father that I never had, that my dad wasn't capable of being for me. But love, like many things in life, comes in all kinds of shapes and sizes, and it doesn't look the same in every family. And so for as complicated and perverted and messy as my father was... I just never once doubted that he loved me and that I loved him.
0: That was impressive.
1: Impressive is a perfect word. Mm -hmm.
0: And somehow this seems like the perfect time to talk about our big prize giveaway. A Hickory Farms beef box.
1: That's right, Barbara. What's a family gathering without meat and cheese?
0: Empty and sad.
1: Exactly. One lucky winner will receive a Hickory Farms hearty beef box, a life-changing combination of sausage and cheddar. Don't believe me? These are actual, actual online reviews of the hearty beef box. Yolanda M. says...
0: My brother-in-law in Dayton, Ohio loved it.
1: And Rosemary K says...
0: Ooh, they make me think of being a child. I'm so happy by it. Win your own Hickory Farms hearty beef box.
1: That's right. Just send an email to everyfamiliesgot1 at gmail.com. That's everyfamiliesgotone at gmail.com.
0: Remember to put meat in the subject line. You'll be automatically entered to win.
1: It's time for our next story, Barbara.
0: It's from Linda Kurloff. By day, she's an assistant director at a senior center, and by night, she's an actor, content maker, and storyteller.
1: And she has one great story to tell. Mm -hmm. This story was told at one of our Every Family's Got One live shows.
0: Ah, the good old days.
1: Here's Linda Kurloff and her story, Show and Tell.
3: When I was in the fourth grade, for Show and Tell, I brought in a painting I had made at home which I called African Lady. My teacher, Mrs. Sandor, was so impressed that unbeknownst to me, she entered it into a school art competition which was being held at the time among Chicago's elementary schools. African Lady went on to win blue ribbons on the citywide and regional levels. After that, Mrs. Sandor encouraged my mom to put me in a serious art class. So mom enrolled me in a class at the Art Institute of Chicago that took place on Saturdays. Saturday? That's my favorite day of the week! My nine-year-old brain was perplexed. Why was I being punished for painting a picture my teacher liked? Why must I swap out my Saturday morning TV shows for Saturday morning art classes? I would miss Soul Train and everything. (laughs) My mom explained that it wasn't a punishment, but rather an opportunity. A few Saturdays later, I picked up the number five Jeffrey bus at 91st and Jeffrey, took it to 67th Street, transferred to the number one that went through Hyde Park, down Lakeshore Drive, and onto Michigan Avenue. An hour and a half later, there I was, standing alone, downtown, in front of the Art Institute. I walked up the grand stairs into this historic institution under the tallest ceilings I'd ever seen. Then down another staircase, through some dimly lit hallways and into a studio which held easels, blank canvases, and unused pallets. And from the moment the class started, I hated it. <laughs> I felt alone. There were no other black kids there my age. I didn't know how to talk to these people. They didn't even seem to know who Don Cornelius was. <laughs> let alone care about the scramble board or who the guest was or what they sang. I wondered, what kind of jive time Saturday is this? (laughs) To think, I used to like show and tell. I used to think it was fun. Sure, bring in a painting, a hamster, whatever. Now I know it's just a Saturday snatching trap. I see you (laughs) show-and-tell. A few boring Saturdays later, I was walking down the hall when I happened to catch a glimpse of what the class was working on in the room next to mine. Now, I had to do a double-take, as my eyes up to that point hadn't in person seen such a thing. The class was drawing a male model in the nude at that moment I had a stroke of genius that afternoon I told my mom mom you'll never guess what happened to me today you sound excited class must be getting better well when I was walking through the hall I happened to see the class next to mine had a naked man in there. <laughs> How? What? You, 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 you saw a naked man? I didn't mean to, but I sure did. Was there a teacher in there? Yes. Did she see that you saw the naked man? She saw me. And then what did she do? Nothing. And then what did you see? Everything. (laughs) You're not going to that class anymore. Oh, okay. Uh, Perhaps, uh, just to be clear, you saw everything and the men was wearing nothing. (laughs) That's it. No more class. That was the end of my art career. My Saturdays went back to being about cartoons, cleaning, and soul (laughs) train. I did learn something from that time at the Art Institute, though. One, At nine years old, I could travel from the south side of Chicago to the downtown area on public transportation by myself. That opened up a world of possibilities. Two, I don't have to be in an art class to make art. I'm free to make art anytime, anywhere, and any way I like. (laughs) And three, if you just have to see some naked bodies, There's
0: always art class. Hey. I'm going to take an art class. You know,
1: Barbara, if you want to see a naked person, you can always just go online and take an art class.
0: Send me the link.
1: And that's our show for today. We'd like to thank our storytellers, Leslie Ruster and Linda Kurloff. Look
0: for Leslie in Vermont where she lives on a musical commune and grows sunflowers.
1: It sounds like a poem. She also designs cool patches for clothes at her online store. Just go to bigpatch.bigcartel.com. That's big It's <laughs> a long oh, URL. It's
0: hagpatch. Oh. <laughs> hagpatch. BigCartel.com
1: That's HagPatch.BigCartel.com
0: And follow Linda Kurloff at Linda Kurloff on Instagram Plus check out her solo show Linda Means to Wait It's now on Amazon Wow
1: Every Family's Got One is produced by us Barbara Harrell and Tony Menudo Special thanks to Alex Clark for our great theme music
0: Our talented audio engineer Paul Weiss Weiss
1: Special thanks to Horizon Media and Wordsworth and & Booth.
0: Mike Stafford for legal and production assistance. And our good
1: friend, professional golfer Tom Bell.
0: Catering by Hickory Farms, which is not an official sponsor, but we sure do love talking about them.
1: We love it. Subscribe to Every Family's Got One where you listen to podcasts and follow Every Family's Got One on Facebook and Instagram and on our website at One.com. See, See you, you soon. soon.